Hey, welcome to You Had Me at Black. I'm Martina Abrahams. This week's story comes from Carl, who after ending his engagement and recovering from a surgery on the back of his head, finally started taking black women's advice. Before we get into this week's story, I wanted to remind you of our upcoming kickback in Houston on December 2nd. We'll be at Lionheart Studios, so come hang out with us. There'll be stories. We're doing a live recording of our podcast. Plus, there'll be music and drinks and beautiful people. So do not sleep on getting your tickets. Early bird tickets have already sold out, and you can go to youhadmeatblack.com slash live HTX to get yours. And if you are not in the Houston area and you know somebody in the Houston area, put them on. Send them a link to the podcast. Send them a link to buy some tickets. Tell them to check us out. Come meet the team. We really are so excited for our first show in the South. And finally, stick around after the story for a special pre-Black Friday offer for all of the girlfriends out there. Alrighty, let's get to Carl's story. Here's what happened. I want you to breathe all this in. You're listening to You Had Me at Black. Light in the heart of the city. Black. Man, listen, man. Black, black. This is You Had Me at Black, and we live, baby. So, this is about how black women saved my life. In May of 2015, me and my girlfriend at the time. That was our third year of being in a relationship. And it's late. It's like disrespectful hours. It's like two o'clock in the morning. My do-rag is on. Her bonnet is on. We're not going to get up anymore for the rest of the night. And her best friend texts her. And her best friend is a man. And he just broke up with his girlfriend. And he's crying over the phone. He really wants best friend time. My girlfriend looks at me and she says, do you mind if best friend comes over? He really needs someone to talk to. And I'm looking at my watch like, oh, I mean, I guess. So he comes over and my girlfriend gets up out of bed and I get up too. This is about to be like an ussy conversation, right? She looks at me and she says, this is something that he really only feels comfortable telling me. Do you mind if it's just me and him conversation? So I'm pretty safe and secure in my relationship. I go back to sleep. Wake up the next morning, my girlfriend's there. Hug, hug, kiss, kiss, you know, we're in love. Great thing. Fast forward a year later to May 2016. And my girlfriend is now my fiance. So within that year, it's pretty hard with us. We're both in grad school. We both go to HBCUs, but they're about 30 miles away from each other. I got a job at Johns Hopkins that took me away for two months. And she was busy with a lot of writing that she does. So we were just really busy at that point in time. We would try to schedule out weekends to see each other. We had a regular, kind of like a long distance college relationship, but we made it work. So we're engaged. And this particular weekend was the weekend that we were getting our engagement pictures back. And before we look at our engagement pictures, my fiance says, you really should get that bump checked out on the back of your head. There was a bump on the back of my head for maybe a month or two, and I was really reluctant to go to the doctor. So I just kind of 
let it go. But at this moment in time, I was like, okay, like the bump is getting kind of bigger. I need to figure out what it is. So we open up the laptop, get ready to check our pictures. And she says, hey, can I look at them when I get back? And I ask her, get back from where? And she says, remember, I'm going to go visit my ex today. You, you mean the ex that's in jail, ex? And she says, yeah, remember, I, I asked you. You said it was fine. Uh, I don't remember that. Let's, let's, let's back it up. Uh, when, when did you ask me? Like, you remember, like, you're watching the game. I asked you, you said it was fine. Okay, um, now I remember. You picked the optimal time to ask me, but I understand. So, you know, go ahead, do your thing. I was upset at the time. So when she came back, we did get into a huge argument. And at one point in the argument, she takes off her engagement ring. She slams it on the table and she says, put this on when you're ready. So I look at the engagement ring, I look at her and I get up and I walk out. And at that moment, we break up. And you know when you break up with somebody but you're living with them, so it's very, very awkward. So for about a week, I was staying with my parents a lot and we were kind of going back and forth whether or not we should get back together, things of that nature. And I just felt like something was unsaid, something was lingering. So one day I asked her, um, have you ever cheated on me? And I asked her like super calm, super plain. And she said, no, why would you ask something like that? And I kept on asking her over the course of maybe three days. And the third day, she said, yes, I cheated. You know when you really don't want to hear the truth? So when she actually said those words, it was like my body got super warm. My hands got super sweaty. It was almost as I was in an interview. It was just the most anxiety that I've ever felt. And when she told me, I instantly started crying. I felt like my life was just like uh, useless at the point. I didn't really know what to do. I was kind of just floating by for the next couple of days. I just felt like everything was just gone. Until fast forward to September 2016. One day I got on Twitter and I tweeted out, uh, nobody deserves to be cheated on. And my friend, D, she tweets me back. She says, what happened? I start to tell her a story. And she says, you know, this story is like longer than what I thought it was going to be. So I have tickets to a Nationals game. Do you want to come? At this point, I haven't been out of the house for about a month. I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, I should probably get out, probably start talking to people again. And we're at the Nationals game. And I start telling her everything about my relationship and being cheated on. And I feel like she's going to say, you know, F her, start gassing me up, saying, you know, you'll do good, you'll do great. But actually, she says, you know, you have to think about what you did in the relationship as well. Even though you were the one that got cheated on, you have to think about how you can be a better man because of this. And you have to think about what can you do differently next time. And she started talking to me about self-care. She started talking to me about yoga. She started talking about eating better. She started talking about kale. And I've never... I'm a Texan from Fort Worth. Us and vegetables don't really get along. But I really started listening to her. And at one point during the conversation, I asked her about the back of my head. Remember what said the back of my head? And I said, do you see a bump back there? 
She said, yeah, yeah, that's that, that, that I, I definitely see a bump back there. I told her that a week prior, I finally went to the doctor. So it probably took me two and a half, three months to go to the doctor. And I found out that that bump was a tumor. And my operation was the day after the game. So the next day. And we prayed about it. And she said, you know, you'll be okay. Just have good faith and be in good spirits. So fast forward to the next day. And I am at the doctor's office. And, you know, whenever you have a life-changing operation, they make you sign this big waiver saying, like, if we kill you, you can't sue us. So I'm pretty much signing my life away. And I'm at the operation table. And I see the doctor come in and then two nurses. And the doctor takes out this big-ass needle. Uh, so what, what's what's going on here? <laughs> and he says, oh, this is your anesthesia. And I say, oh, no, it's not. And I was thinking, you know, the gas mask, like I'll go to sleep, I'll wake up groggy. I've seen the YouTube videos. And he tells me, well, actually where your tumor is, we can't give you the gas mask. People tend to wait optimal timing to tell me things. So I tell the doctor, you know, that would have been great to know about two weeks ago. But um, I understand. So I'm there lying on the operation table. And he says, you know, just take a deep breath, like every doctor says. Just take a deep breath. It won't hurt that bad. So I take a deep breath. And it is the worst pain I've ever felt. It is a, a really thick, long needle going right into the back of my skull. And at that moment, my body, it's super warm and I automatically go numb, but not numb to the point where I can't feel everything. I just feel my head really light at this point in time. So he brings out 15 more needles and he is just giving me more anesthesia and he's starting the operation. And about the seventh needle, uh, my body does like a big wince. I just can't take the pain anymore. And the doctor looks down at me. He says, oh, you can feel this? And I'm like, what you mean? Oh, like, what? <laughs> I don't understand what's going on right now. And he tells me, I thought, you know, the anesthesia would work. And I was like, well, can you give me more? And he says, no, where I'm at in the operation, I can't really go backwards now. So the nurse comes and the nurse says, just hold my hand anytime you feel pain. And I'm looking at her like, does this look like I'm about to give birth right now? Like, it doesn't, I don't understand what's going on. But, you know, I'm in the middle of the operation. My head is literally cut open at this moment in time. I'm leaking blood. So I grab her hand and I'm squeezing it the whole entire time. It was about two hours. So they take the tumor out and they check it and it's benign. Everything's okay. And I go through recovery and I just noticed those couple of days of my operation and my recovery, I'm just thinking about everything that Dee was telling me about self-care, about trying yoga, about eating better, just living a better life. And that's what I do for the next couple of months after my operation is over. I start doing yoga a lot more. I start meditating. I start, you know, Googling things about self-care. I start having self-care Saturdays. And that was one of the first cases where I intentionally listened to a black woman. Like, I made a point to incorporate what she was telling me in my life. Before that, it was like I was very stubborn. It was almost as if you're in class and the teacher is giving you vital information to pass the exam. And all I had to do was copy it down and study. And I didn't. But you think in the back of your mind, oh, I'll be okay. And then when you get to the exam, it's like, ah, I, sh I should have listened. 
and I felt like when D was talking to me was the first time I understood that I should be more present when black women are speaking to me. It was like I instantly moved up to the front of the classroom. I was writing down all the notes I was studying. And for the first time in my life, I passed the exam. Now, fast forward to February 2017. Back on Twitter, one of my friends, T, tweets out a recipe for zucchini bread. And I ask her about it. And I see that she works and lives in D.C., so we catch up one day at Bus Boys and Poets. And, you know, we're talking about just life and everything. And she tells me, you know, Carl, it looks like you're doing really well. I, you know, I know about the breakup and everything. As soon as you start eating better, you'll be great. And I look at her like, what do you mean? Like, I ordered a turkey burger and sweet potato fries. Like, this is healthy. And she pulls out her phone and says, well, actually, look at all the sodium content. Look at everything in the turkey burger. Turkey and beef is pretty much the same thing. She's like, you're not really living that healthy. It's like fake healthy. And she goes into this explanation of how she's a raw vegan. And she tells me a lot about veganism. And at this moment in time, I thought, you know, me eating kale and squash every other week, I was doing good. And she says, you know, you should try this spot with me. It's called Kepra's. And I've never been to Kepra's any before. So I'm like, you know what? Sure. I'm open to new experiences right now. Let's go do it. So we go to Kepra's. And she says, you know, you should get this thing called a coconut crab cake. So in my mind, I'm thinking of a crab cake. And there's going to be some, like, coconut flakes on it, right? So we get there. And I look at the crab cake. And it looks a little different. But I'm like, I'm not going to I'm not gonna say no. So I get the crab cake and she's just cheesing at me. Take a bite, take a bite, take a bite. And I'm like, what is so funny right now? So I take a bite and I'm like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And she's like, it's coconut meat. And I'm like, the fuck do you mean it's coconut meat? And she says, everything here is raw. And that's how I eat. I eat only fruits and vegetables. So I didn't like it. I powered through it. One of those things I ate to be nice. And I thought to, to myself, like, okay, I'll never go to Kepper's again. I'll probably never eat another raw vegan meal again. But lo and behold, as black women have just been working in my life over this, you know, past year, it was like a random Wednesday and I really wanted another coconut crab cake sandwich. So we go back to Kepper's. And then we go to Sankofa and get food. And we go to New Vegan and get food. And next thing I know, it's like a random Saturday night and it's midnight and I'm Googling raw vegan recipes and I'm incorporating veganism into my life. Another black woman affecting my life. And then as the months go on, I have several other black women telling me to share my stories and write. So I start writing for Blavity. I have people telling me, you know what, you're a pretty good poet. You should start saying them to people. So I start doing open mics in the city. And it hit me on May 29th. I stepped on the scale and I realized I lost like 25 pounds out of nowhere. And it was just me like working out more, eating better and really adhering to my self-care. And I tweeted, black women are healers and nobody can tell me any different. I just felt like throughout my breakup and the year after, you know, we all say, I met God, she's black. And I really felt like angels were just dropped down in my life and they were just healing me. It was almost as my fiance said, when she cheated on me, I was at zero. I went straight from 100 to zero. And then throughout that year, 
black women were just giving me percentages of my life back. And May 29th, I just felt at 100% again. So this story is really to talk to my black men to say, you know, we need to hear our black women more. I think we, and the media depicts black women, it almost sets black women up for failure. Like you have to start from negative 20 and then you gotta move up to zero eventually and then you gotta start running your race. And I think it's time that black women start getting credit for every single thing that they do because clearly they don't. I, you know, I think that we kind of understand where people come from, but we really need to take out the time to incorporate what they're saying to us in our life. This story was produced by Brittany Abrahams. Music and scoring by Charlie Corpening. Mixed and mastered by Miles Dotson. Thanks for listening to You Had Me at Black. If you want to hear more stories like this one, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Hey y'all, it's Martina again. So I'm getting married in January and I'll be traveling for my honeymoon soon after. And I've mentioned this before, but when I travel, I have to think about what to do with my hair because I hate bedhead and I hate getting the little single strand knots in my hair just because I'm sleeping all over the plane or train or wherever I'm going. And a couple years back, my friend Jakaya put me onto head wraps and it was a game changer. Protecting my hair and make it look sexy at the same time. So you may know Jakaya from Instagram as Traveling Fro, where she shares her journey solo traveling around the world after leaving the hustle of a nine to five. And she recently launched a shop, the Traveling Fro shop, where she has different products inspired by her travels throughout Europe and West Africa. And her first release is a line of head wraps, and they're beautiful. They're hand-packaged and handmade in Senegal and shipped by her and friends that she's made along the way. What's really cool about her line is that each design only has 100 pieces, and so you don't have to worry about looking like every other girl with the head wrap wherever you walk in. But what that also means is that you literally need to run to her site to check them out and to get yours. So you can go to thetravelingfro.com slash Y-H-M-A-B to check out her head wrap, check out her line, learn more about her story, and follow along. And even better, you had me up, black listeners, get 10% off a purchase of a head wrap with the code Y-H-M-A-B. So go to thetravelingfro.com slash Y-H-M-A-B using the code Y-H-M-A-B to get some great, awesome product from the Traveling Fro Shop. Hey, you have me a black family. Just wanted to give a brief announcement about Thanksgiving. There won't be an episode next week, but you can catch us back the following week on November 29th. Um, we look forward to having you listen in. And in the meantime, enjoy your family and friends. Uh, tell them about us. Have them hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play Music. And we'll catch you on the flip. Stay tuned. Peace. This is season four of You Had Me at Black.